Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers, Super Bowl 54. How should you bet the spread? Over or under on the total? Which props offer the most value? We're talking about it all. Every bet that you can make to profit in Super Bowl 54, we are going to break it down. Welcome to the award-winning Action Network podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is our Super Bowl 54 betting spectacular. And before we get into it, just a reminder, go download the also award-winning and free Action Network app for real-time odds, box scores, and the capability to track every bet that you make. And now, for the last time this season, let's hear that Sunday six-pack theme song. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. Boom. Okay, let's get into it. As always, I'm joined by the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, my guy Stucky. And on top of that, we're really coming at you with the heavy hitters today because we got a special guest. Goes by the nickname The Odds Maker, our guy Sean Corner from the Action Network, director of Predictive Analytics. Sean, glad to have you on the show. What's up, brother? Yeah, what's up, man? Uh, really stoked to be on with Stucky, too. I think this is our first pod together, so um, something to celebrate, in my opinion. That was an award-winning intro, by the way, Raybon. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> nah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk to both of you guys. You know, I, I've done pretty well at, at betting since I joined the Action Network because I talk to you fools for, for a couple hours each week on these podcasts and, and, and outside. So uh, excited to get into it. Stuck, how's it going? What's up? How you feeling? Uh, just grinding through Super Bowl stuff, man. There's a lot to get through. I, I tweeted out last night that there's so many, there's too many Super Bowl props at this point as far as not players. Like, Kansas City wins and a male becomes president. Or I was like, (laughs) why are you you tying up your money for that long? Like, you got to sweat Kansas City winning and then you got to wait until the election and hope a male win? Like, oh my God. I mean, mean, we know know which way Bernie Sanders is is betting on that one. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) let's get into it. Um, uh, For those unfamiliar, we start with the Sunday six pack where we talk spreads and totals. And then we're going to jump into a huge. Uh, segment where we just go through all the different props that we like. Sean is a specialist at props. He sets odds for basically all these things. So we're going to get his insights and Stucky and I will will chime in with the the props that we think offer the best value. But uh, we're going to start it off talking the spread, talking the total, how we think this one's going to play out. Uh, Stuck, I'll kick it to you first. Uh, And let me just set it up. The Kansas City Chiefs at most books are favored uh, by either one point or one and a half points. Uh, the total at the game, the consensus total is 54 and a half. As far as where the money is, we're seeing 56% of the money is on the Kansas City Chiefs, but uh, 59% of the bets. So Niners, slightly bigger bets coming in on their side. And the total, the action has been extremely one-sided. 80% of the bets, 86% of the money currently 
as we record this on Wednesday night on the over. Stuck, how you feeling? We're going to get to first quarter for I think what where I think there's an opportunity potentially live as far as a pregame but I mean I don't see much value I mean I make the line minus one and a half I do think that the total is a little inflated I made it around 51 and a half 52 so going from 52 to 54 and a half in a game that I don't really want to bet the under in and we'll get into various reasons why but if it crosses that 55 threshold which is obviously a key number I'll probably get involved in the under pregame look everyone's betting the over everyone's most recreational bettors are going to bet the over. The Super Bowl total almost every year is always inflated. There's always going to be a point or two of value just because of that on the under. It's the one game of the year, really, where the public is going to drive a lot of the market because there's just so much money. Your uncle, your aunt, your dentist, everyone is betting this game. That's an important point to, to, to point out as far as the size. Like when you're under three, um, you know, th- these numbers, you know, the difference between a one and a two and a half the number the books really don't want to have to move on to or off of in this situation is going to be three. So I don't think this line will hit three, but Sean, what about you? I, you, I know you do your power ratings and you project the line for pretty much every game all, all year long. Um, where do you have this, the, the numbers for, uh, for this game? Yeah. So we were doing some um, previews of like possible um, Super Bowl matchups, what the spread would be and stuff like that. And I was updating those pieces during the championship games. Yeah. I had KC, Pretty much minus one, minus one and a half for this. So when it came out, it was it was right in line with what I had. So um, no bet for me there. But I I was just more on a personal side. I was going through my outstanding future bets, and I found I have a, a 49ers thirty to one ticket. I will admit I had a a pretty uh, funny one. It was Adam Gase coach of the year for fifty to one. But I, I did find a 49ers thirty to one ticket. So I might be hedging my bet. So the fact that Casey pretty much a pick 'em that's going to give me a pretty good hedge opportunity here. So I'll probably just bet on the KC money line, just because um, I'm trying to hedge my 30 to one ticket. So I actually have this game uh, as a pick them. And I think my line is a little different. And this has been kind of the case with me in projecting San Francisco throughout the playoffs, really. Um, But I think that a lot of, I think models I'm seeing are probably incorporating the, the data from weeks 14 through 17, pretty significantly because it it is still recent data. But the thing about those last, that that final quarter of the regular season was San Francisco was without safety Jaquiski Tart. Um, They were without linebacker Quan Alexander. And then D Ford, one of their top pass rushers, he was, uh, he only played up sparingly. He was struggling through a a hamstring issue in those games. And you you also had Richard Sherman uh, sit out a game in there as well. So if you kind of look at at the performance of their defense in games where those three guys were healthy, um, it it is substantially improved. And um, that's even if you look at things like, you know, them versus the spread or them versus some of their player, uh, you know, the player props for yardage and, and touchdowns and whatnot. Um, that, that defense was significantly improved with those three guys in the lineup. So I think that is what really accounts for the difference where, which is why I have it at a, a pick em in, in this case. Um, I do have the total at 53. I think this is the kind of game where, you know, Kyle Shanahan's a, a pretty aggressive coach and um, the Niners have had a lot of success running the football, um, but they are also a very good passing team. Like if you look at, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, he was near the top of the league in, in most passing metrics, um, yards per attempt, touchdown percentage and, and all that. So you'd see a little more offense in this game than we've seen out of most Niners games where they're able to just shut the, the op- opponent down. So I have it as a straight up toss up. That's why I, when the lines first dropped, I took it. Uh, San Francisco plus one and a half. I wasn't sure exactly how it would move. It did move to one at a bunch of books, but it looks like um, with the the majority 
56% of the public money coming in on the Chiefs. That, that is kind of settled in uh, at one and a half at most books. You could be more correct to me. And it's something I struggle with because mm -hmm. the San Fran defense was absolutely elite, Hall of Fame level, just all over the field early in the season. But they weren't really playing anyone, right? right. Like if you look at the quarterbacks they played. And then they dealt with all those injuries. And then, you know, they got healthier for the playoffs. And then they looked really good again, right? So I think I might be undervaluing that defense. And then there's an article out on Action Network that I put together today looking at the Chiefs defense because there's a huge narrative out there that the Chiefs defense is significantly improved since the bye, right? They allowed 15 and a half points after the bye per game, about 23 and a half prior to the bye, 11 weeks prior to that. If you look at success rates, explosive rates, everywhere across the board, their defense is significantly improved. So I dug a little deeper and, you know, you can check out the article. I go, I ramble forever about it. Although there is a general requirement of brevity, most people think that we are being briefer than we are, and most people are in favor of brevity as long as it is someone else's. But basically, what I found is that I think a lot of it had to do with circumstance, right? After the bye, they play home against the Raiders in 30-mile-an-hour wins. They play at New England, outdoors, windy. And we know New England's not an explosive offense. They play home against the Broncos in a blizzard. They play at Chicago, at Mitch Trubisky, outdoors. Mitch Bortles, sorry. You've just been Bortled. Home against the Chargers, more wind. And the Chargers moved the ball well. They just threw a million picks. And then they played two AFC South opponents at home, outdoors. So they played seven outdoor games, five of which have been at home. A lot of wind, a lot of weather. The opponents haven't been great. And look, I even looked at the games with and without Chris Jones. Run defense has been actually worse with Chris Jones against worse rush offenses. So I think that he could make an impact up the middle against their backup center and pass rush and maybe blow up the pocket. But this run defense is just bad. The pass defense is okay, but it wasn't as elite as their numbers after the bye were because they just benefited from a lot, a very easy schedule and a lot of weather, and they're not going to have the either for this game. So, Sean, any thoughts on that? Kind of what's going into to your numbers? Are you are you weighting any differently those games or, or accounting for, for the games with and without some of their key defenders? Um, or is that kind of how you arrived at the number? Or are you kind of think that's like too small of a sample to really differentiate between? Stucky made some great points there with the Niners defense. Uh, you know, with the Casey offense, I think we got to look at Mahomes too. You know, this season, um, he suffered that knee injury back in week seven. Um, so he missed, I think it was, you know, two and a half games. Um, and then after that, you know, he wasn't 100%. Um, and with him, he's not a rushing quarterback, but, you know, he does use his legs to skip pocket, make a big play. And we're, we're starting to see that again these past two games in the playoffs. I mean, we're seeing vintage 2018 Mahomes. So I think, you know, this Casey offense – you know, they're firing on all cylinders now. So I just think this is a great matchup. We're just seeing strength on strength with the, this Casey offense versus the uh, 49er defense. No, it's a, it's a great point in that. And the offensive line, too, had injuries. You had Hill that was injured. And, yeah, that's basically what this game came down to, to me, is that, all right, how much better is this Kansas City offense now? I don't think the defense is good. And how much better is the San Fran defense? And you have two elite units. What I kept coming back to, just looking at this game, there's no value in the numbers, I said – you could make a case that defensive teams, you know, the better defenses tend, tends to overperform in the Super Bowl. And I think the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl provide an advantage for the defense and the defensive coordinator who can make more adjustments to what defenses can do and change in that time period. And, I mean, we saw it last year. But the weakest unit by far is Kansas City's defense. But then your trump card is your best player in the game. Patty Mahomes is going to have the ball every time Kansas City has it. So that's the... That's what makes the Super Bowl so intriguing. 
Yeah. And let's, let's kind of dive into some of these matchups. Cause I think that's going to, you know, this, I think we all have a consensus here that this line is pretty close and they're, you know, it just kind of depends on your threshold for betting. So in a normal week, I don't think any of us would really be betting this game too heavily because um, you know, even for me, you know, making it a pick them in the lines at one and a half, you know, that's not too far off, especially when we're not talking about going through any, any of the key numbers. But because it's the Super Bowl, and, and that's kind of the reason I think everyone wants to bet it, it it's the Super Bowl. It's the last time you get to bet on the NFL. So um, let's kind of dive into these matchups and, uh, you know, try to see how these edges are going to play out. So I guess, Stuck, I'll start with you. The Kansas City run defense, that's what ranked uh, number 29 in uh, schedule adjusted efficiency, according to football outsiders DVOA uh, during the, the regular season. And then the pass defense was all the way up at number six. So do you think that, you know, normally we say passes, passing, passing is more important. How much of a detriment is this Kansas City run defense in particular um, to their chances of, of winning this football game? It's obviously the key matchup when San Fran has the ball. I mean, and I know back to those post buy numbers, they allowed 4.3 yards per rush, which would have been middle of the pack. Before the buy, they allowed about 5.3, which would have been worse than the NFL. But like I said, there was a lot of circumstances that worked in their favor, even against Tennessee, right? If you go back to the first matchup against Tennessee, all of their explosive runs, the Titans' explosive runs, happened in the second half against Kansas City. And when they played last week, Tennessee basically abandoned the run in the second half. And, you know, they were trying to run the outside zones against Kansas City, which they can't defend, which is also a nightmare against San Fran. Usually what Tennessee does is they pound you, they wear you out in the second half, and they just didn't do it. It was another circumstance working out for Kansas City. But if you just look at the individual parts of the Kansas City defense, it's not good from a run perspective, right? You have their linebackers are not good. Just go to Pro Football Focus and look at the ratings of run defense linebackers. They're nowhere close to the top 50. The defensive line on the edge, none of them are really great defending the run. So it's not a great unit. They're going to have to sell out. And I think that's going to open up some opportunities, right? Like this is where Shanahan's going to zag when they're trying to zig. And I think you've got to throw an early downs, right? Because what Spagnola wants to do is he wants to take away your biggest strengths right on passing down so he's going to bracket probably Kittle right I would imagine he might he might bracket Sanders as well on like you know third and seven third and eight but on first downs right they're going to have to have some of their linebackers in there who are better at defending the run right like a Ragland who aren't aren't as good at covering right so this is where all right now I get Kittle in space Maybe I get a couple plays to use check. I'll get to that. But that's kind of the cat and mouse game. They're going to have to try to sell out against the run. I don't know if they can necessarily stop it because it's also an undisciplined defense too. This isn't a San Fran offense that just lines up and says, I'm going to run power left, power right, right? A lot of misdirection, a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of play action, getting this Kansas City defensive front seven out of position. You even saw it against Tennessee, all the offside penalties they had. It's just not the most disciplined front. That spells disaster. And look, Kansas City is one of the worst defenses in the NFL at defending that outside zone run. So it is not a great matchup. Now, Kansas City knows that, right? So they're going to have to sell out completely. They're going to have to bring a safety down the box, and they're going to have to have their best running linebackers in there early. And I think that's where it's going to open up opportunities for the San Fran passing offense. And they're going to have to pass this week. They can't get away with doing what they did the last couple weeks. But I think Jimmy G is going to have some early down success throwing the ball. And I'm just not sure, no matter what Kansas City does, they're going to completely slow down this San Fran rushing attack. Now, if they just sell out, they're going to contain it a little bit. But that's now you become vulnerable with a lot of the weapons on the outside that San Fran has. Yeah, and, and I should mention a couple of things. So number one is the, both of these teams really make heavy use 
of the play actions. San Francisco is number five in the league with a 27.4% uh, rate of play action passes. Uh, and then San Fr- uh, Kansas City ranks number seven uh, at 26.4%. So both of these teams make heavy use of play action. San Francisco has been excellent uh, when they go to play action. They are la- averaging 11.2 yards per pass attempt. On play action this season, they have 131 attempts for 1,473 yards uh, during the regular season. So 11.2, third in the league in terms of yards per attempt. Uh, Kansas City, uh, a a bit closer to the middle of the pack, uh, only 8.2 yards per attempt. Patrick Mahomes, you don't even need to to fake it with him. He's that good that, you know, the deception or not, I think uh, it it just works out for him. Uh, But Sean, you know, you mentioned you have, uh, the Chiefs a- as a favorite. Um, what do you think uh, are their edges, um, you know, as far as them winning this game? Uh, I know you kind of project out all of the players and whatnot. So what do you think, like, some of the key matchups are, I guess, on, on the Kansas City offensive side that could exploit the-, the San Francisco defense in a way that probably most teams can't because, you know, this is the best offense? I think big picture and kind of going back to what Stucky was saying, I mean, the worst matchup or, you know, the strength of San Francisco is the rushing attack against this uh, run funnel KC defense. So I think if San Francisco gets behind or they get in a situation where Jimmy G is forced to throw, that even takes away play action. Uh, It won't be as effective. So I think it's key for San Francisco to get ahead. They can't fall behind. KC, I mean, we've seen the past couple of weeks, where, you know, even if KC falls behind, their strength is their passing offense. Granted, San Francisco passing defense is, you know, elite, but they at least have a chance to keep relatively their entire playbook, even when coming from behind. So I think um, KC has more routes to victory in that in that regard. So I think that that's where they have the edge here. And that's why I, I think they should be favored. Um, I think both teams are, you know, even in terms of strength, but uh, just – you know, the way the game goes, uh, I think every outcome uh, early on will, will favor Casey in the long run. So um, San Francisco, they have to take an early lead. And I think we'll talk about that early on or, or later on about like first quarter lines and things like that, where I think San Francisco does have an edge. But the full game, I think Casey does have them uh, just in terms of strength versus weaknesses. Yeah. And, you know, that that's a very good point, because that was one of the things that stuck out to me when, when the lines first came out was that this is really a coin flip game to me because I think the, the, the it could come down to something as simple as the coin toss as far as who wins the toss. I, you know, they, these teams usually defer when, when they win the toss, but I wouldn't be surprised, especially if San Francisco won the toss, if they receive. Do you think they're going to receive? I wouldn't be surprised. In this game, I wouldn't be surprised. And Ky, like with Kyle Shanahan. Do you want to give Mahomes a potential back-to-back? The end of the half, start the second half. Yeah, but you can't think. I th- I feel like you can't think of it that way. You have to think of it as I need to. If I have Mahomes back to back, but he's down, it's different from me deferring. If we get down seven nothing, that's a problem. Like that changes the whole complexion of the game. I think. But don't you think that who do they think their best unit is? Which is an interesting question. But I, I would think that they're, I, I would they still think, say it's a defense. Right? I, no, and I agree. I, that, this is what I'm saying. Like I agree in theory that usually you would always defer in these situations. I just think that. In this type of game, I think you do want to jump out on Kansas City because they've been living dangerously. I mean, let's look at the last three playoff games. Going back to the AFC Championship last year, they, they fall behind to the, the Patriots uh, 14-0. Then they and they end up losing that game. They do come back, but they end up losing that game. But then they fall behind uh, to Houston 24-0, and then they fall behind to, to Tennessee 10-0. Kansas City has been living dangerously. And San Francisco, if they are able to get a lead like that, 
they have the type of team to hold that lead. I just think in this particular situation, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't, I don't know. If well, I would love it. I would love it because I like, I love San Fran first quarter, which piggybacks on what you said with the lead. And by the way, I agree. This, the margins are thin. It could come up to, here's my obligatory special teams mention. I think Kansas City <laughs> has the better special teams, right? People are sleeping on how I think Robbie Gold is washed. He's 6 of 12 from 40-plus this year. So Kansas City is the more reliable kicker. They had the better returner. San Fran's like 26th in touchback percentage. I don't know if they do it on purpose or not, but Kansas City is the more dangerous returner as well. Just throwing that out there. I rate Kansas City special teams a little higher. But the, from the first quarter perspective, look, Andy Reid off a bye has been great, right? And, but I think Kyle Shanahan off of a bye can cook up just as well. But it reads 19-9 against the spread after bye, 23-5 straight up, worth mentioning. If you go back to all of, all of his games after a bye, Right, he's played 28 games. He's outscored opponents 159 to 99 in the first quarter after bye weeks. But in the playoffs, it's 38-41. He's trailing by three, but it's kind of skewed by Houston. Whatever. In the playoffs, three of the eight times, he's, his teams have gone scoreless in the first quarter, including the Super Bowl. But a lot of that, the teams are so different. So let's look at this year's Kansas City team. Nine out of 18 games this year, they've held, they were held to three points or few in the first quarter. Six out of 18, they were held scoreless. Only four for San Fran and six compared to nine for San Fran as well. They were Kansas City was outscored 111 to 97 in the first quarter this year. San Fran outscored opponents 120 to 73. They were plus 47. Kansas City was minus 14. Kansas City's only held the lead eight times after the fourth, first quarter this year for a 14-win team. That's pretty crazy. They're ranked 10th in first quarter points per game. San Fran's ranked third. The Kansas City defense ranked 28th in first quarter points per game. San Fran defense ranked 11th. All of the numbers here support, you know, that Kansas City is getting off to a slow start. I think it's taking a little bit of time for Mahomes. He reads the defenses, he figures it out, and then their their offense starts rolling, which is what I think will happen here, right? This San Fran is so good in their scripted play portion, right? Shanahan is so good there. And one of the, the risks that you have with San Fran is, will Jimmy G throw a bad pick, right? Well, that's not really a risk in the first quarter in the scripted play portion. They know what they're going to do. Maybe later in the game, if Kansas City's up and he has to force a throw, that maybe that comes back to haunt him. But I think San Fran knows what they want to do. They're going to have their advantages here, and they can change their defense, I think. You know, they're going to run their cover three, their cover four. They're, they can disguise some looks early, much more than I think what Kansas City can do, is, which is just try to sell out to stop the run or try to double this guy and double that guy. From a feeling out perspective, it's going to take Kansas, the Kansas City's offense just a tad more time to figure out what's going on. Whereas San Fran, I think, could just come out. They can bully the way they're going to have some, I think, first down throws. They're going to maybe some trick plays ready to go. And I think that, that all that, that's why I kind of like San Fran first quarter. I don't just kind of like it. I played it. San Fran first quarter, money line, plus 100, 105, and then plus a half, minus 145, minus 150. That's interesting because it's really been an issue for Ken- you. You wouldn't expect somebody like Andy Reid, and given the offense that they have, to, to kind of get in these first quarter holes. And I mean, I think part of it is you know they also always defer, and their defense isn't very good, and they they are confident that they can get out of it. Kind of one of the reasons I, I call this game a toss up is because San Francisco, and this is a key I think to understand, and it's been a key to kind of betting this team all all playoffs and really all season. More than any other team, uh, they are able to get pressure without blitzing. So they're able to get pressure with just four rushers during the regular season. They finished number two in pressure rate at 28.7% while blitzing at the fourth lowest rate, just uh, 20.9%. So they, they, they're only sending uh, extra rushers about one out of every five times, uh, you know, on pass snaps. And yet they still are, are top two in the league in generating pressure. So um, that, that's something, again, where if they get a lead, 
that plays out, and, and that, that also takes out some – even though Kansas City hasn't been uh, as spectacular in play action, that also takes some of that out. That ability is going to play key because we've seen it with the Giants upsetting the Patriots when, when they kind of get pressure and use guys in coverage and they have two weeks to kind of devise a game plan. Even the Eagles, even though that was a high-scoring Super Bowl – between them and the Patriots. The Eagles were another team that year that they had a very good front four. They were able to drop guys into coverage uh, and with, you know, a couple weeks to prepare, kind of come up with some schemes that could at least hold them in check enough to where they could outscore on the Patriots on the other side. The teams with the, the this explosive offenses, the way you beat them, especially in these, in these important games, is you get pressure. So I think that will play a key role. So I try to think of how the game's going to play out. So if they are getting pressure, right, that does lead to Mahomes maybe running a little bit. And that's why San Fran, their numbers versus running quarterbacks haven't been great, just because you have to get out of the pocket so much right away, even though the Mahomes number is ridiculously inflated. But also, does that mean that Mahomes, because the, the fascinating matchup to me is that their speed versus the San Fran zone, which they're going to run on first and second down. They'll play, some man, they'll play a lot of man on third down. But they, the Kansas City is the fastest offense in the NFL. Does Mahomes have time, right, to hit a hill, a Harmon deep? Or is the pressure getting into him so much that, this is why I like Damian Williams, by the way. And I know that Andy Reid's going to have a couple screens drawn up for this pressure. But is he just getting rid of the ball so quick that it's a lot of the possession guys, the Williams, they're getting a lot of catches because of these, you know, almost an extension of the running game. So that, that's one of the things that I thought about with the pressure. So every quarterback in the league does worse under pressure. Like you don't do better when you're pressured and you're hurrying throws and you have to get rid of the ball. So yes, it will affect him. And the thing with Mahomes is there's, that's really, there's no other way to affect him more than that. I think the thing about San Francisco is when you, when you don't blitz and you can get pressure without blitz, yeah it it forces you to go underneath a little more and get the ball out quicker so yeah they allow the lowest average depth of target 6.8 yards per target and that's because they're getting that pressure they're forcing you to go underneath so um i I do think that they can have that effect more so than pretty much any other defense mahomes has faced this year but all that being said and how we think you know this game kind of favors san fran a little more if they are able to get out to a weed you know sean you and i always kind of talk about okay live betting angles like if, if x happens how would we live bet the game, you know, depending on the different outcomes. So um, is there any kind of way you're leaning in terms of if you see, you know, either team get out to a lead or, or you see a, a points in the first few minutes of the game, um, would that kind of change your live betting strategy? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I have the fair total for this game at 52 and a half. If the 49ers get out to an early one to two score lead, um, I think the environment of the game would lean towards the over. Um, obviously there's going to be different factors involved. I'm going to uh, be analyzing what the, estimated rest of the game numbers and all that but I think just in general when the Fires got to lead it's gonna lean towards the over you know we're gonna have the Fires rush offense against this KC you know run funnel defense that's gonna help you know Mozart's an explosive back we're gonna see big plays still from the Fires offense when they have the full playbook and then KC we've mentioned it you know Mahomes that's their strength so they'll still be able to put up points and on the flip side if KC gets out to an early you know one to two score lead um, I'm gonna lean towards the under Again, forcing Jimmy G into a uh, must-pass situation um, is not ideal for the 49ers. And then, you know, Casey will likely take their foot off the gas a little bit, um, running more with Damian Williams into this, you know, uh, lethal run uh, defense by the 49ers. So I think that's kind of how I'm going to approach the end-game angle on the, the total. Yeah, and, and that's I think that's the, the sharp way to, to approach it. And Because if, if it goes the other way, where if Casey gets up, Yes, we do expect San Francisco to throw more, but I'm looking at their pace numbers right now on football outsiders, and 
when they trail by seven or more, the 49ers rank number 32 dead last in the league in pace when they're trailing. <laughs> so what's that sample size though? I mean, yeah, it's not large, obviously, because they haven't <laughs> trailed much. But I'm just saying, like, that is something to note. San Francisco is not necessarily a team that's go- going at a breakneck pace just because they get down, because I think that is something to note for people that, you know, maybe think, hey, well, San Francisco's a running team, so if they get up, it's actually better um, because then they'll, they'll just run more. Well, not necessarily because we've seen it. Yeah, I mean, both teams also are bottom of the league in pace when they get a, a lead of seven-plus points. They tend to go a little more conservative. But like Sean, like you said – when San Fran goes conservative, they could still march up and down the field, and then you're going to have Mahomes trying to, you know, he's going to have Mahomes magic on the field. A lot of times what you try to anticipate, and it's really difficult, right, is we're looking at this game, and so are the fucking people that are getting paid to try and win the game, right? So that's why you see last year New England comes out with a variation of a defense that has given the Rams trouble, and the Rams come out with this, you know, zone man morph that – you know, gave Brady issues. And you see this a lot. You have two weeks to prepare. It's the last game of the year. It's for all the marbles. So one of the things I was trying to figure out is this San Fran defense, they play a ton of zone. You know, it's their MO. They can play some cover three. It's the it's basically a morphing matchup, you know, cover three with cover four and cover one. It's basically a very, very advanced Pete Carroll defense. But Mahomes shreds zones, right? Because he can buy time and then his receivers who are so fast can find holes. So my thinking was, does San Fran tr- – and they do play man on third down. Do they try to come out and play man? But I just don't think that Richard Sherman is playing man against Tyree K- – like, there's too much speed, I think. So that's the fascinating matchup, this elite zone, which I think they're going to have to run a lot, and they still will. Uh, but it's a thought that crossed my mind versus Mahomes, who's the number one quarterback in the NFL against the zone. I think – so that's an interesting question, and I think that it would be interesting if they played man – but gave Sherman and perhaps whoever's guarding Kelsey help because they do have good coverage linebackers. All of their corners are very good, period. So they have coverage players where, let's say you double Tyreek Hill and, and, and Kelsey, you could trust those guys. So you can do some things in man coverage. So that, that, that is something I think will be an option. I yeah, don't but then that slot, you throw Hardman in the slot, and then you're asking a corner with Mahomes buying time when you're already using a safety over top of Hill, that's where it would get dicey. But it's an interesting thing that I'll, that I'll be looking for. I assume they're going to run a lot of zones still. But if they want to come and throw a wrench, especially early, play a little more man on first and second down early on. Yeah. And, and another thing to keep in mind is, and Sean and I have talked a lot about this, Blake Bell has seen a, a, an increase in snaps. Um, and if he's the fifth guy on the field, then a lot of times teams have to use five, uh, an extra pass blocker. And it's not always the running back because you're trying to combat that four-man rush, and so you, you need it on the edge. You might have Blake Bell in there over, over a guy like Hardman if the pressure is too much, and then that takes a, like Hardman out of the mix because then Bell is that fifth skill player because um, you're still going to have Damian Williams in there unless they go empty. So it is a cat-and-mouse game. All right, so let's transition to what I think is the, the most fun part about betting the Super Bowl, which is props. Uh, you have so many props, player props, game props, props on everything from – uh, the anthem to uh, the coin toss to, um, you know, yardage, touchdown, first touchdown, so many different props. So uh, we are going to kind of run through a bunch of the different prop categories and, and our favorite bets uh, within those. We will start with uh, – let's, let's, let's start with the, the start of the game. We talked about it a little. Talked about the Chiefs. They've been getting down lately. Stuck. You like the, the first quarter money line for the Niners. Sean. 
anything you see in terms of first quarter or just, you know, starting the game in terms of values here, maybe first reception, first touchdown. I know you project all, and sim, simulate 10,000 times all of those outcomes. Who, who's kind of showing value for you um, for some of those props? Yeah, so the, the two I'm going to tackle are the, uh, the first reception and first touchdown. So when it comes to the first reception, I'm, I'm basically just taking, you know, the estimated target share, reception share, and allocating that, just finding out what the, the percentage would be for uh, the first catch. I'm not really taking – I'm not – um, speculate anything when it comes to this, but Tyreek Hill for the first reception of the game, I have that closer to um, seven to one, and they're offering uh, seven plus seven fifty. Not too much value, you know. The thing, if you're going to take that prop um, for the in, you know the first of the game, you're kind of you know giving away some some luck to the coin toss itself. You know which team's going to defer, which team's going to get first. So if Tyreek Hill, if you take him and the Niners get it first, you know that's a huge blow to the prop. But I think the Niners, if they get the ball first. There's at least a range of outcomes where they they rush it twice, throw an incomplete pass, and punt. If the Chiefs get it first, and you have a 49er in this market, I think the prop's dead. I think the Chiefs will get a completed pass on the the first drive of the game. So that's why I like Tyreek Hill for the first reception of the game, and then for um, just the Niners specifically, I have Emmanuel Sanders at plus uh, 550. Um, I have that being closer to plus 450. And like I mentioned, if you're going to take a Niner. Just go to the market where it's the, the first player comes from the Niners. So if the first catch of the game is the Chief, you know, it, it doesn't affect your bet at all. So that's how I'm approaching that market. Um, and then when it comes to the first touchdown of the game, I think the, the number one value player right now is Nico Hardman. At, he's 22 to 1 on DraftKings. Um, I think that's massive value because we've seen him push um, Demarcus Robinson lately. Um, they've, they've been pretty much in an even timeshare. And when you guys are talking about this specific matchup, I could see them using Harbin more. So, you know, he has a ton of potential if he's starting. Um, he has six touchdowns on the air in his limited role to begin with. So he has massive touchdown potential. I could see them. He could house strip- the kick, the opening yeah, kick. That's, the- yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he could be the first player that touches the ball on the kickoff. So that's where I'm saying this has some sneaky value. Again, you're, you're not betting on him returning the kickoff. But when, when it comes to this prop, I have it being closer to 15 to 1 as the fair line for this. So 22 to one, if you can get it, I think that's the play for this market. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that you're seeing a ton of value there. Um, if you, yeah, if you have it yeah. all the way down to 15 to one. Oh, so Miko Hardman first uh, touch touchdown, right? Yeah. First touchdown. Yep. And then, um, okay. Uh, stuck. Any, uh, any thoughts, um, any bets you're, you're kind of looking at in terms of these, in these early games besides the, the quarter, uh, the first quarter money line. Yeah, I mean, I like San Fran earlier for a lot of the reasons I outlined before. And I agree with what Sean said. But the one thing that I think could throw a wrench into that is if Shanahan is going to zag and throw a lot more on early downs. And, you know, because it's a scripted portion of the game, it's Jimmy G who's thrown, what, four passes in the past month. So in the Super Bowl, he comes out, he gets them like an early completion, like an early, really easy throw on first down. So hopefully use check for me. I'll get into that prop earlier. But because of the struggles of Kansas City in the first quarter, and mainly why I think those will continue because of this matchup and what San Fran could do defensively and how it will take a little more time for Kansas City to figure out what San Fran is doing defensively than vice versa, I would maybe look at a San Fran player first touchdown. The problem is you got to figure out who's playing for San Fran in the backfield and they run it so much and uh, so it's – it's uh, and I'll, I'll turn to you guys for that because we should probably touch on it. I know you guys touch on your podcast because you have Burrito has fumbleitis, so they don't really trust him, and you would think that you especially don't trust him near the goal line even more. And then you have Coleman, who is 
healthy-ish, maybe. And then you have Mostert, obviously, went nuts last week. So I was all ready to fade Mostert in the prop market. It's like, oh, this dude just ran for 222, four touchdowns. Like, his number's going to be insane. And everyone's betting his over. Everyone's going to bet his over. And the numbers come out. And I'm like, this is pretty inflated. There was like eight. I know the numbers are over the place. But then I'm like, I don't know who else could get the, the, he might be the only one getting the carries against a bad run defense so then i got all confused so i'm curious to hear your thoughts on that as well <laughs> that's gonna be a really popular bet i'm sure um like mostert uh, for first touchdown like where, where what what would that line have to be if you have it for, for you to um for you to see any value on, on mostert it's a little bit tricky if coleman serve up in the air but right now i have his fair value on that is plus 650 um again he's gonna be popular so i think most sites are what five to one now I didn't, I didn't see any value on that. But, yeah, obviously, I think he'll get the goal line carries. He was he had, for share. Well, I have Moser 16.5 carries, Brita 4.5, and, and Coleman 3.5. But those are kind of murky right now. Yeah, it's tough because we've kind of seen the same thing happen in, in back-to-back games where in the first playoff game, Moser kind of came into the game as the lead back, and then he gets hurt or, you know, kind of banged up in the game. So Coleman steals the show, gets 20-plus carries, gets a couple scores. And then – the next game, everyone's ready to kind of anoint Coleman, and then he gets hurt early in the game, and then Mostert reestablishes himself. So now it is a really tough situation. Um, I, if if Coleman is active, I, I think I would probably um, like. Uh, would you bump? Like, how much do you, would you see yourself? I guess bumping up well, Coleman if he if he's like just active, like because I think that's really what it comes down to. If he's active, would you leave it at three and a half, or would you kind of bump it up? Yeah, I'm I'm bumping it up, and we'll we'll have to hear what kind of active he is. If it's just he's active to maybe give him a carry. He, he could re-injure it. You know, there's going to be a lot of variables. Um, I, I would be concerned for most certain this market if Coleman's rolled out and they activate Jeffrey Wilson, <laughs> uh, who has been a vulture all year. So um, that might scare me. But I think, I think if they get a goal and carry, even if Coleman um, is playing and relatively healthy, I think they'll give it to Moser here. With the Super Bowl on the line, I think Moser earned this, uh, you know, this game to be the workhorse back. And Matt Breida, I called it a couple weeks ago. You know, he fumbled that uh, carry late in the game. And even when Coleman um, had to leave this game, they didn't even give Breida the ball, really. Uh, Moser was obviously tearing it up. But I I just think this could be just a a heavy Moser game again. So I I do like his odds on, you know, first touchdown market. But I think the the market knows that. And they're going to inflate it because people are probably flooding um, on him right now. Yeah, I'm seeing our friends at Points Bet have him at plus 600, and he's the number. He's the leading, you know, in terms of the shortest odds to to get the first touchdown. He's at plus 600, uh, followed by Damian Williams at plus 650, then Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill uh, at plus uh, 750 each. So, do you think any one of you guys? Do you think Mostert is the best bet out of those four guys? I think they will be the most popular. Any thoughts on kind of uh, where Mostert ranks or if any one of those kind of has more value uh, than Mostert? No, no, I think Mostert is definitely the play there. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Damian Williams. He's 6-1 to one as well, and I have him being closer to 8-1 to one, um, for fair odds. So I think Mostert, if you're going to bet one of those guys, I think Mostert right now at plus 650 is the play. I mean, it's it, I would consider it just a break-even bet. So if you need to have action on this market, you could take him and Hardman. I think those are the two plays that actually offer uh, break-even value. What, let's talk about the long shots for, for this first touchdown. Because I think, you know, even if they don't offer – and when we say value, I should just explain to, to the, you know, the kind of more casual betters out there. Um, every – all of these, these lines that we're, we're throwing out, they're essentially money lines. Uh, we call them juice. 
Um, if they, you know, if they're, if they're a, you see a minus in front of them, we kind of say they're juiced up. Um, and if there's a plus it's plus money. So essentially plus money, uh, anytime there's a plus, it means you're getting either even money or, or it, they're implying under a 50% chance of an event to happen. I think, I think a really good example that is worth explaining to listeners corner, you should explain just the difference between the Damian Williams, what, Hey, I'm going to bet it from at 12 and a half and not 13 and a half. And that, I think that it really illustrates the, the prop market and value really well. Yeah. So, I, I mean, like you mentioned, I, I have all these props, I have an exact percentage um, and then I compare that to the market and then you can, you can see your perceived edge. So um, anything that I have for the, the edge or I'm at least in line with the market, it's, you know, a break even bet, which I call it. And I typically bet when I see an edge of uh, 3% or more. So like you said um, earlier on, I, I have Hardman at 15 to one and he's being offered at 22 to one. So I think that's a, <laughs> let me do some quick math here. Um, but that's so going to be six and four. It's about seven. It's almost like it's like seven. The difference between uh, like six and a half and four and a half or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say two percent. I mean, that, I I typically want more of an edge, but this is a Super Bowl, so I think having some action on this market that's something I would take. But uh, when when you have a prop that's twenty two to one, you're not betting the same amount you would on that as you would a bet that you have like a sixty eight percent chance of hitting. Um, I'm going to very light action on that. That's that's just a, sort of a lottery ticket. But when it comes to some of the props we have later on where I have massive value on, I mean, those I'm max betting. So that, that's another key there is money management and understanding which bets to kind of load up on and which ones to kind of, you know, put a light play on. Yeah, yeah and the outs. The outs are important too. Like the 12, the difference between a 12 and a half prop, a prop of 12 and a half carries to 13 and a half, basically you were like, I'm going to bet. It's, it's a difference between betting it and not betting it, right? I mean, it's, it's a huge difference. Out of a yeah. casual better, it might not be. It's like, oh, I'm betting over 12 and a half, over 13 and a half. And if you're just doing it recreationally just to throw 20, who cares, then, then fine. But if you want to do it seriously, have a couple outs because if you find a 12 and a half out there, that's a huge difference in the number of carries in 13 and a half over time. Yeah, so, so like you said, that, that prop I have in that range, I have each carry in the 12, 13, and 14, um, him getting exactly 12, 13, or 14, each being worth 10 to 11% chance. So like you said, any half number, any number in that range is just massive. So um, yeah, all it takes is one um, carry to go up where I'm off the bet. Whereas before, you know, I was max betting it. So yeah, that, that's a good um, explanation. I'll, I'll go over all that when we, when we discuss uh, yardage props. I think um, that'll, that'll help explain it further. The interesting thing about something like that with the carries is a lot of times the books are adjusting their numbers based on the action that they're getting, right? So sometimes you'll see, they'll make a projection for a running back. Like let's say Damian Williams, you know, uh, they'll, they'll say 12 and a half carries for 48 and a half yards or something like that. They'll get a lot more action on, let's say they get a lot more action on the, on the yardage. That will get juiced up. But if no one's betting the carry, sometimes they leave that alone. And you can kind of, if you're looking to bet, let's say an over on Damian Williams, you can kind of look at both of those and say, okay, is there more value here on the carries or on the yardage? Because the books don't always adjust it right away. At least I've found in those situations, a lot of times they'll just adjust the juice on whatever's getting action. So uh, if you see a bet you don't like, maybe for like receiving or running, and you don't like the yardage or you're looking for a certain number, check the, the volume stats as well. Cause sometimes those aren't updated as quick if there's not as much action. So like uh, if you like an, an over on receiving yards for a player um, and that's just kind of getting inflated and then you look and say, Hey, well, his receptions are still kind of where I project the median. Um, and I still see, you might find value there. So 
um, that that's also something to put in mind. Um, my favorite long shot bet though, uh, for first touchdown, aside from Hardman, who I think I, I love Hardman as well. Um, I also like Kendrick Bourne. I, I think people, I think one of the reasons is people aren't betting Kendrick Bourne, period. Like he's just not attracting action. So I don't think he, he's going to be one of those props where, um, it's going to get inflated and, and get bet down. If anything, it, it might go the other way because I don't think anyone's going to touch it. But um, he has six touchdowns in his last 11 games. And that's really – Sanders came to the Niners 12 games ago. Um, and, and Bourne has six touchdowns in his last 11. Um, he's taken over that number three wide receiver role. Um, he, he scored in five of the past 11. And this is a game – and this is with the 49ers in, in many – in some of those games playing with those game scripts where they're, they're, they're getting up. You know, he scored the first touchdown in the Minnesota game. So I think there is some value. He's at 19-1. to 1. I've seen him at 20-1 to 1, uh, at spots as well. I, I do think there's a little bit of value for him um, on that first touchdown prop. Uh, and he act, and, it, and uh, th- uh, 33% of Bourne's touchdowns uh, or third have come in the first quarter of games. And that, I think that just speaks to the fact that Kansas uh, – that San Francisco – they do tend to get up and you, you see less of the number three receiver later. So um, Bourne is a guy where I think his general range of outcomes, if he does score is going to be skewed a little bit um, toward the early part of the game. So that, that's kind of my, uh, my favorite long shot uh, bet for, uh, for first touchdown. Let's talk about uh, MVP. That's a, that's another really popular one. And this is one again, where I don't think there's a, a great way to, to truly model uh, this, you know, the, the MVP, you're kind of just, Looking, we, we know that in general, uh, there's, there has been somewhat of an uptick in wide receivers over the last 15 years as the league has become more pass-heavy. We've seen wide, a wide receiver take it uh, in four of the past 15 years. Um, I actually got lucky last year. We did our little Super Bowl uh, MVP draft, and we're doing another one. It should be up on ActionNetwork.com as you guys are, by the time you guys are listening to this. And, and um, you know, Stuck Corner, a few of the other Action Network NFL experts, we all participated, and we each get two picks. And we get to draft our favorite, um, the, the top values for MVP. So it's the same thing where we're looking at just the, not the most likely, which I think is everyone would say is Mahomes, but who's the best value, you know, in, according to the numbers. And I think we know wide receivers ha- have seen an uptick. Defensive players, um, given that it's the, you know, they're, they're only about, I think we've only seen two in the last um, 15 or so years. Um, and then, Quarterbacks are, are by far the most likely. So I'll start with uh, with you, Stuck. Who is who are your favorite? Who's your favorite um, two MVP bets? Um, one could be a, both could be long shot. One could be a long shot. But um, just kind of which, which if you had to bet two, which ones would you go? Yeah, since 1998, Eli Manning has won two Super Bowl MVPs, and uh, all running backs and tight ends combined have won zero. So tight ends have actually never won one. Uh, Terrell Davis is the last running back to win in 1998. Four defensive players have actually won it since 2000. Ray Lewis, okay. uh, Jackson Smith, and Von Miller. And over the course of Super Bowl history, 54 Super Bowls, non-offensive players have actually won it 20% of the time. You've had two DNs, four linebackers, two safeties, a corner, a defensive tackle, and a returner slash corner at Woodson. And then quarterbacks are at about 53% of the time. And by the way, don't bet Mahomes win MVP. Just bet the Chiefs. It's crazy that that line is close. But I can't envision. I know it's happened once before. It was a game that was so embarrassing that the guy didn't even want his MVP trophy. It was a toilet bowl, he called it. It's not going to happen. The losing player is not winning MVP. So how can a quarterback not win it? Randomness on defense, right? So someone gets a huge pick six at the end, end of fumble recovery, right? So maybe if you want to look at a really long shot on the Chiefs defense, right, it would be a guy like Honey Badger. If He's always around the ball. Maybe he comes in, he strips Jimmy G. Jimmy G, we said, is prone to picks. Maybe he gets a pick six. 
if you're looking for a real long shot and want to have some fun, you could throw on him. But how does a quarterback really not win it? It's when someone's either going to have to vulture a ton of touchdowns as a running back, right? So a guy like Damian Williams, we know is going to be on the field a lot, right? So if you can get him 25 to 1, he's going to get so many touches. So if Mahomes is moving the ball and they're just getting stopped, you know, throwing it inside the red zone, inside the five, fourth, and then Williams is just getting three or four touchdowns as a big day through the air. He's a guy who can win it for the Chiefs. And the other side, the other way that happens, we've said these receivers, it's when the quarterback doesn't have an all-world type of day, maybe throw a pick, maybe lose a fumble, while one guy has a huge day. So maybe you can see that more so with Jimmy G. I mean, Mahomes just spreads the ball out so much. So maybe a guy like Kittle just goes off, and Jimmy G has a pick, and Kittle scores the game-winning touchdown. I don't really love any MVP this game, but uh, Damian Williams and, and Kittle, and if you want to throw two long shots, it's Honey Badger and then Hardman, because Hardman, as we talked about, has some matchup. You know, get him 75-1, to one, I see out there. I think he can have some matchup advantages against his defense, and kicker is you have him returning. So he could have a huge kick return. and That, that goes such a long way in the eyes of you know, MVP of a big kick return for a touchdown. So uh, I think those are the ones I would throw out there. And before I kick it to you, Sean, just two things on what Stucky said. Number one, you said it was it was about 50, 53% quarterbacks winning the, that taking home 53. the MVP. 53.7, yep. Right. And so right now, Patrick Mahomes is essentially even money at most books, whereas you'd really say if they're favored, um, you know, so let's say they have a 53% chance of winning that game, really – you're, you're, you're looking at some, his, his real odds would be about 28%. Now, he's a great quarterback. The league has become more pass-heavy. But you're talking about even you account for all those factors, maybe you bump it up to like 33 35%. Um, that is still nowhere close to, um, you know, he's at plus 100, plus 110. That's essentially uh, implying a 50-50 chance. So Patrick Mahomes, yes, he is the most likely player to win MVP. He is a horrible value bet to win MVP. So I just want to point that out, you know, number one. And then number two, just to put some of the numbers behind some of the, the, the players you threw out, Jimmy Garoppolo is next at, at plus 210, also a pretty bad value, um, you know, for him, not as bad as Mahomes, um, but, but still bad. Um, then you have Mostert at plus 500, Tyreek Hill plus 1600. Um, your guy Damian Williams is plus 1800, Kittle plus 2200. Um, Hardman, I'm seeing down to 40 to one. So that is... Oh, wow. um, I think people are actually kind of onto that. And Honey Badger also um, seeing him at 41. And that's, that's actually shorter than Sammy Watkins at 50 to 1. So I think those, you know, those are sharp bets. Um, but uh, if, depending on your book, um, you may see some of the value bet out uh, of guys like Hardman and Matthew already. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. And one final thing on the tight ends. I mean, tight ends not winning. I think you have to look at it more like pass catchers. I think Kittle and, and Kelsey are – These are basically situations. receivers. They're in unique situations where they are, um, you know, top producers in terms of, you know, the pass volume for their team. So I don't look at just because the tight ends never won that Kittle or Kelsey couldn't win or they have a lower percentage chance than other pass catchers. I think it's just um, yep. changing of the times in a matchup. But, Sean, um, how about you? Um, you know, just – I know that, you know, there's no way to model this, but, you know, just kind of your favorite MVP uh, bets. If you're going to bet the Chiefs to win, you don't need to bet Mahomes um, in this market. So I think the guy that I found the most value on is Emmanuel Sanders. He's 66 to 1 at points bet. He has some routes where he can get there the conventional way. Um, he had a seven reception, 157 yard touchdown game against the Saints. 
you know, the 49ers traded a third and fourth round pick to bring him in and win now. So I could just see them drawing up a few potential big plays involving him. And I think one of the unique things that he offers for this market is um, he's thrown a 30-yard passing touchdown each of the last two seasons. If they were to draw up a play where he throws and he happens to score a touchdown, let's say, it kind of goes to what Stucky was saying. Um, I think that's a scenario where that kind of negates Jimmy G. I mean, if Mayo Sanders throws a touchdown pass and let's say he catches one later in the game, that's an MVP-type performance. Um, again, at 66-1, to 1, you can think outside the box like that because um, you're not expecting a hit. But I think with Sanders, I think he does have that sneaky upside um, as you know, a pass catcher winning this award where – um, he has shown the ability to do a trick play. And we see those when it comes to Super Bowl. I mean, both coaches will probably throw the kid's stick out there. We could see some trick plays. So I think Sanders, um, some play where he throws the ball, especially if, you know, Secchi was saying the Chiefs might just, um, you know, try to stop the run, send in a couple guys. It could leave a big play play like this. So Shanahan might might exploit that. And that's why I think at 66-1, to one, I'm definitely out some action on this. Yeah, and I like that because, again, you know, going back to we had the draft last year and um, I ended up taking Julian Edelman. I think he was 25 to 1, and my reasoning was kind of similar. It was, okay, he could have a big game. There's a potential for him also to run and throw. Mm -hmm. I ended up getting lucky. I mean, I I thought that award probably should have gone to Michelle. I understood why it went to to, to Edelman, but, you know, that's a conversation for another day. But the point being, I think it is sharp to look at these wide receivers who – Yes, they can put up 100 yards. And San Francisco, I think the value is on the San Francisco pass catchers because they could have a relatively low-volume game. I mean, Jimmy G's median projection in terms of his over-under for yards, and we'll we'll talk a little more about all the yardage props in a second, but um, it's around 240 yards. So if Sanders, let's say, gets 100 or 100-plus of those yards, then um, you're looking at a situation where there there is a good chance that uh, if the 49ers win – it doesn't go to the quarterback and Jimmy G if he's only thrown for, you know, 200 something yards. And if Sanders gets a ton of that production, it could very well go to, to him. That being said, I also, even though his odds are not nearly as long, at, at least at this point, Debo Samuel, I think is really interesting because he, I'm seeing him at 35 to one uh, and he has accounted for uh, 39% of the 49ers receiving yardage over the last three games. So he's kind of overtaken Kittle a little bit. I think some, some of that was to do with matchup, but he's also had 20 plus rushing yards in, in five of the last seven games. He's got a, a carry at least one carry in over uh, the last half dozen games um, going back even further. He's getting at least one carry sometimes two, uh, as many as three. Um, so he kind of has this dual threat potential where he could get a large percentage of, a middling passing performance from Jimmy G. And uh, he also has the potential of scoring a long rushing touchdown. And then if those things are combined, especially when you consider that there's a, a three-way, a three-way backfield, potentially, even uh, if Coleman is in, I think I love it even more, Uh, but you know, you have the potential for kind of most maybe not doing as much as he did last week. Um, It all kind of adds up to uh, I think, I think a, a route for Samuel, um, to, to take home that award and just a talented guy. So um, I love him and I'll throw out one more long shot. And um, I want to get you guys take on this because I think I irrationally like this pick as a long shot, but it makes a ton of sense to me. The defense for the Niners, I think is a sharp place to look for value. However, a lot of people are looking to the big names, Nick Bosa, Richard Sherman. Those guys are both at, at 30 to one. I'm seeing they're, they're kind of lead the way. Fred Warner. I've, I've seen him as far as much as 200, 
40 to one. Uh, I think he's down to 200 to one uh, on FanDuel. He's a linebacker that plays a 100% of the snaps every game for San Francisco. He led the team in tackles by more than two dozen. He's second on the team in pass breakups with, with nine during the regular season. Uh, he, he was uh, tied for the team lead in sacks after the front four. So after those four pass rushers um, on the D line, um, then, then he, he had three sacks that was, you know, tied for fifth on the team. And he can take a, a, a pick to the house. Uh, his only pick he took for a 40 plus yard touchdown. So, uh, and he forced three fumbles this year. So much longer odds. He could not only in, like make statistical impacts in every facet, whether it's fumbles, picks, sacks, but he could also be kind of that poster boy for if the 49ers win with a strong defensive performance and you don't quite know who to give it to, but you, you know that probably you're not giving it to a guy in the offense. I think Warner is the most likely guy to be that kind of representative of the whole. So I, I'm just curious as to what you guys um, think of that one. You've made your point. It would be, I think, seemly if the honorable gentleman speedily brought his speech to a conclusion. Well, I'm going to go make dinner, and when you're, let me know when you're done. The Fred Warner. <laughs> okay. No, but I'll give you, I'll give you your answer. You're betting Fred Warner. I'm not an advocate of betting because of regret aversion, but it's the Super Bowl MVP. You've gone on this this rant about him, so you're going to put a little money <laughs> on Warner because oh, you yeah. will be so upset if you don't. But look, it's a lottery ticket. These long shot Super Bowl MVPs, you can't model it. You even said something that I thought was really smart, and not the Fred. A lot was smart in the Fred Warner thing, but before that, you said, "Look, it's it's arbitrary," and it is. Like who who you said he should have won it, but he didn't. Like so, it's not like you can not only can you not really model it. It's not like all right, if this person gets this number of stats, they're going to win it, right? We mentioned Emmanuel Sanders on. He should have. He could have won it in Super Bowl Fifty, right? He had six catches for eighty-five yards. But he didn't get in the end zone. So Von Miller won it. If you're going to play a defender, I mentioned Honey Badger. It's down to 40 to 1. There's no value there. Like at 75 to 1, I thought maybe worth a flyer. But if you're going to play a defender, take the most random one that you also think is really good, is going to be in there a lot, and can just run into a ball, recover a fumble, and then a, a random pick six. I mean, no one was talking about Malcolm Smith winning it when he won it, right? No one was talking about Dexter Jackson. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't hate it for uh, a flyer on a defensive MVP. Let's get into some of these. Uh, let's go position by position, and let's get into these uh, uh, player props. And uh, we'll start at quarterback. Uh, I think this is a really fascinating quarterback matchup. We, we talked about it at the top. Um, and, and I want to just start off by mentioning that, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, we can bet his touchdown props over one and a half, over two and a half, uh, over two. There's a lot of different lines out there. Our friends at Points Bet are once again running our Fade Ravel promotion. And, and this week, our colleague Darren Ravel predicts that Patrick Mahomes will have under two and a half touchdowns. So points bet is boosting the odds on Mahomes having over two and a half touchdowns from minus 110 to plus 125. So, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a guy that has been throwing three touchdowns in a, in a large percentage of games, much larger than any other quarterback. So uh, with those odds, I don't. I think that it's a pretty solid, um, fun bet that that you can make, um, and you'll be fading Ravel uh, at the same time. So, if you're interested in fading Ravel, follow the link in the episode descriptions for more details. But let's talk about this Mahomes touchdown prop, uh, Sean. I'll start with you. Where are you kind of leaning as far as at the different thresholds? I guess like what what's your favorite Mahomes touchdown bet? Whether it's at one and a half, two, two and a half. Um, which one do you kind of like over or under into what kind of threshold? 
Um, well, I, I think I, I'm probably avoiding this market, but I think Ravel is on the sharp side here. I would say the under two and a half, um, I've seen like minus 138 out there. I'm showing a little bit of value. I have that going under 59% of the time and minus 138 implies 58. So I'm showing a 1% edge. So I think the, the sharp side is going to be on the under, especially when it comes to touchdowns. It's a, it's a different kind of distribution. So I, I think you typically find under on these markets. A guy like Mahomes, those books are going to be taking a ton of action on the over two and a half and one and a half. So if you're going to bet this, just wait until Sunday morning um, when the odds are, you know, boosted even more. Um, so that, that's what I'll probably do. I'll probably just wait till Sunday to see if the market um, helps move this over more. And I'll, I'll come in under, um, hopefully it'll get down to like minus 120 or minus 110. But I think the under is way to go here. There are a lot of one and a half out there. And Friedman and I kind of had this argument uh, on the Sirius XM radio show that, that we do uh, 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern on Sirius uh, XM Fantasy. Even at one and a half, um, I've seen the juice so high, like it's at minus 235. I've seen it. What's the threshold that you would bet over one and a half uh, for Mahomes' uh, touchdown? I have it at 67.4% um, um, chance. So, it, it, you know, that's, that's a fair line of minus 210 about. Okay. Um, and that's it, basically all of the books are kind of in that range. So I haven't found any value there. The, the two and a half under is, is where I've been finding the, the most value. Okay. Uh, Stuck, how you feeling? The Chiefs, first and goal at the one, second and goal one, they're not sneaking Mahomes. Not after he busted right. his kneecap. That's what I mean. So I don't know. Are they not? That could end up swinging this bet and also, you know, giving another touchdown to a guy like Damian Williams. Yeah. Just something to think about. He can also run it, but he's not shy about he running. Run he can run it in right. from further. Yeah. I, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, for, like if they're on the five-yard line, he could run it in. I agree. I think they're done giving him a QB sneak at the one. But I think, yeah, on the five-yard line, he does have that now. With his with his knee 100 percent, where we saw what was it last game, um, he could definitely run it in, and that exactly those things uh, go they hurt him in this market. All right, so we're going to start running through some of these other props. We'll do rapid fire, get get Sean and Stuck's best picks. I'll give some of mine as well. Uh, just wanted to quickly point out that the, the passing yardage props for, for Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy G generally on the money. I don't see too much value in those, nor do do we see much value in the uh, in the touchdowns for Jimmy G at, at one and a half? So I think what, the one we want to talk about is the rushing prop because it's it's up to 32 and a half at some books. Stuck, I'll start with you. Any thoughts on, on that one? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's obviously inflated, an inflated number. What is it, 10 yards more than what it was last week? Yeah. The interesting thing, maybe more than that, but, you know, he, he had a highlight run. He's run, he's, people have seen him run and people want to bet on Mahomes doing anything. And you mentioned the passing prop. I don't see a ton of value on it now, but I think there might be some value in the under. But I think there's value in the under on Mahomes rushing under. But the interesting thing to me is that even though San Fran plays a zone, which you would think it's not as easy to run, because they get so much pressure so quickly, it does move the quarterback out of the pocket. That's why you've seen guys like Kyler Murray and a couple other mobile quarterbacks put up some good rushing numbers against San Fran. So there are going to be some opportunities for Mahomes to run here, but just from a pure numbers perspective, this is inflated. And I don't, I'm not in, into the weeds as much as, as Sean. It's maybe by like 10 yards or so. Yeah, Sean, um, I, I want to kick it to you because I know you do our, our projections and I know um, you, you do kind of see some, some value here on, on this prop at, at 32 and a half. Uh, how are you feeling about it? 
Yeah, so I mean, stuck hit on it. Uh, this this is super inflated. I mean, yes, the 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 previous two games he's put up fifty three yards apiece. We know he has rushing upside. Um, but you know, his first thirty four career starts, he um, rushed for thirty or more yards five times. So that's a fifteen percent rate. You know, it's it, it's a bit too much to kind of say this is now his median. Um, so you know, I factored in. You know, the 49ers, they have struggled against rushing QBs. Um, obviously, his knees one hundred percent. Um, I think his rushing upside is boosted in this game, and I still only have him at 25 and a half for his median. So I have it 60.2% uh, chance he goes under 30 and a half. So I, I just think there's massive value in this market. Yeah, and, and in the Fantasy Web's uh, player props tool, P Patrick Mahomes, the, the under uh, for his rushing yards is one of the top graded props. It has a bet quality of 10, which have hit historically uh, at a 60% rate over the last uh, two seasons. So, and that one might continue to go up. So that, that's something to keep in mind. I think uh, that, that, that does offer a ton of value. All right, let's go rapid fire uh, through some running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Uh, I'll throw out props and, and kick it to, to you guys. Uh, and you just give kind of the, the, the pick and uh, like a one, one sentence synopsis of, of why. Uh, I'll start with Raheem Mostert, first rushing attempt, over under uh, three and a half yards, Sean. Yeah, so I have that under. Um, again, I like him in this matchup. Uh, I think he's going to be the lead back here against a run funnel defense. I have him averaging 4.64 yards per rush, but still his median is going to be three, just like all running backs. So I have him going under this, let me see, 57% of the time, and you get plus money on it. So this is a, a big bet for me. Uh, and sticking with Mostert, Sean, uh, over under 12 and a half receiving yards, for Raheem Mostert. So uh, I like the under on this, and I go way in depth in my player prop guide, so check that out. I break it down mathematically how I arrived at this, but I have the under hitting 68% of the time on this on this market. And I'm factoring in Coleman, you know, playing very lightly. So if, if uh, Coleman's active and healthy, this is only gonna help this prop even more. So I love this prop. All right, let's go to Damian Williams and uh, I'll, I'll give a couple at once. Three and a half receptions, 29 and a half receiving yards stuck. Yeah, I mean, I like the over on a number of Damian Williams props. I also like him to score a touchdown minus, I think it's also minus 134. It's a little dicey, but it's it's basically just on how I think this game is going to go. So like, I like him over longest receptions. The numbers are not that far off from what I would expect. But based on this matchup, I think because they get pressure, Mahomes is going to get the ball out quick on a lot of plays. I also think Reed's going to have a couple screens drawn up for him. So I think, and, and most importantly, all the questions in the San Fran backfield, we don't have them here, right? Like I'm confident in the fact that Damian Williams is going to be in the backfield for a lion's share of the plays for Kansas City. And uh, I, I like him to the big day out of the backfield. Yeah, I, I too also like Damian Williams over three and a half catches. Uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, six catches, and Aaron Jones, five catches. I think that San Francisco defense with the uh, ability to kind of force quarterbacks to get rid of it quickly underneath uh, without blitzing uh, is going to add up to a, a lot of work for Williams. I also like Dar Darwin Thompson under one and a half carries. I think, uh, you know, one carry last week, one snap the week before, and zero carries. I don't think they trust him enough. Uh, to, to get multiple carries barring a Williams injury. So um, I, I like that one quite a bit as well. Not seeing as much value 
uh, on, on the most rushing yardage prop, though I will say you can find it as low as uh, the mid-60s and as high as the, the low 80s. So it's, a, it's an opportunity uh, to middle. Uh, let's go to uh, wide receivers. Uh, Sean, Demarcus Robinson, 26 and a half receiving yards. Yeah, Reba, I know you and I love this prop. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite props. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, he's been losing playing time to Michael Hardman. So I think that affects this prop. And, you know, he had three inexcusable drops against the Texans. I think that might have a lot to do with it. But again, you know, his median projection for this is 16 and a half, my model. So I have this hitting 69% of the time. And, you know, a lot of books are offering down to like 20 and a half. I still like that. I still have it hitting uh, over 58% of the time, even at 20 and a half. But just make sure you get the best number on this. Um, that's, that's key for a market like this. Every yard matters. So just make sure you get the best number. This is my favorite prop, uh, the under for, for, for Marcus Robinson. In the 14 games with Tyreek Hill, the median is two targets, uh, and the median yardage is nine. Now, I don't think that's representative of the sample in terms of yardage, but two targets I do think is his median, and that would leave him short, uh, well short uh, of, of 26 and a half. We put him more around 16 yards. Sean, I'm sticking with you. Emmanuel Sanders, longest reception over under 17 and a half yards. So I have that uh, 58% chance that goes over. Um, you know, he's had a rough two-game stretch, but that, that has a lot to do with the 49ers only throwing it 27 times. The past couple of games, you know, with the Niners having to throw more against the Chiefs, uh, there's a lot more upside here. And plus, I like this as a corollary bet with my Sanders MVP bet. Um, so I like that they kind of line up in that regard. So if, um, if he wins MVP, this likely went over. So um, I like this prop um, with my overall, you know, prop package. This one lines up. George Kittle, uh, let's go to the tight ends. George Kittle, 27 and a half yards for his longest reception over or under Sean. Yeah, so I like the under there. Uh, books obvious, you know, people are going to be hammering over on this. Everybody knows Kittle has big playability, the highlight rail catch against the Saints, those kind of things. But uh, my model has the, the under of this going um, 66% of the time. And I would bet this down to probably 24 and a half. So I think this is a good value bet where the, the books are just inflating it due to all the overaction they've been getting. Kelsey and Kittle. There's a lot of props out there, head-to-head props. Uh, most of us, I think, have them projected quite similarly. So why bet Kelsey versus Kittle when you can bet Blake Bell versus Ross Dwelly? Uh, I think that's clearly the way you want to bet if you're a degenerate like me uh, or Sean Corner or Stuck. And, Sean, I know you have a thought on, on a prop out there. You've seen Blake Bell to get 10-plus yards before Ross Dwelly. It's juiced up to minus 260, uh, and you still like it. Tell us why. Yeah, this is one of my favorite bets. And, um, you know, there's a 57% chance Blake Bell doesn't even get a catch or doesn't pass 10 yards. But he has a 43%. Like, he's at least on the field – running routes, getting targets, like he's active in the game. Russ Dwelly is just basically he's put on ice in case George Kittle gets hurt. So it's either Blake Bell gets 10 yards in this game or this this props uh, push. This is one of my favorite props at minus 260. Dwelly, I think the only way that Dwelly can get over 10 yards is if Kittle's hurt. So just think about the odds on that. That would, you know, that would be 20 to 1 um, odds in my opinion. So this is basically a free bet in my opinion. Blake Bell will either get the 10 yards or he won't and you get your money back. Love it. I know that Blake Bell versus Ross Dwelly props is one of Sean's favorites. Uh, And Stuck, you also have a pretty obscure uh, prop that you like involving a pretty obscure uh, player in this game. Uh, Tell us about it. 
Well, this is my way to bet the Ra- my Ravens it's in the Super Bowl with, because they didn't make it. And to throw salt in the wound, because Juszczyk's an ex-Raven, to throw salt in the wound. Remember in the podcast a couple months ago when I was saying, I don't think the Ravens are going to win it? And I think the Chiefs have the value. Guess who, what, who has two thumbs and no Chiefs future ticket from that day, this asshole. So anyway, I think that Juszczyk, look, I heard you guys on your pod talking about, I heard Corner mention that you know he likes Juszczyk under, uh, I think it was like 12, 12 and a half receiving yards. And I think it's been bet down. I bet over nine and a half receiving yards. I like him over catches, a, a, a touchdown flyer. And here's why. Because I get that the math doesn't make sense. You know, he played in, what, 14 games this year and only had 20 catches in 14 games. But I I dug a little deeper and I said, the 49ers played so many games where they just didn't need to throw, right? Like, I throw out the the playoff games. They weren't thrown to anyone, those games. They had a lot of blowout games. If I looked at the eight games, and Juszczyk was hurt for four games this year. So if I looked at the eight games that he played in that were one possession in the fourth quarter and there was over 40 points scored, which I think is a pretty reasonable assumption that this game will be. Um, Juszczyk, he did, ha- he did go two games without a catch. The first game of the year against the Bucs. The Bucs are number one in the NFL in defending backs, for what it's worth. And then the first game back from injury, he didn't have any catches. But in the other six, he had 17 catches for 214 yards. He had at least, he had at least two catches in four of those six games, so four out of the eight in total. He had at least 22 yards in five of the eight. In five of the eight, he had at least a 15-yard catch. He had a 27, a 19, a 15, a 23, a 49-yard catch. Huge part of their exposed to passing game in some of these games. And the reason is that they'll get him out down the seam. They'll get him on these wheel routes when teams are off play action and they just teams will lose him coming down the sidelines. On top of all of that, I think it's a great matchup for him. There's going to be so much focus on Kittle, and these linebackers can't cover. The Chiefs are 20th in the NFL against running backs. I think early downs – they're running back, their linebackers are even worse covering backs. So I think that they're going to have a couple plays drawn up for Juszczyk, who's going to have a chance to hit a big pass play up the seam or down the sidelines. So my favorite one of the Juszczyk props is over nine and a half yards. I think he gets an explosive reception this game. It's not based on the math, although some of it is looking back at these games where they needed to throw more, which I think they'll have to do here, and the matchup. So Juszczyk, my uh, dude, Harvard and X-Raven. That's where I'm going with the uh, fullback props. Yeah, and I, I think there, there's interesting uh, value, depending if you can get a good number, maybe like a, 50, a 20 to 1 or something uh, for Juszczyk uh, on his uh, first reception prop, because I could definitely see Shanahan, you know, first play of the game, maybe play action, so that the halfback is kind of out of the play and, and Juszczyk leaks out. So Your numbers, Corner, are basically just going on his reception chair, right, which is probably minuscule, right? Yeah, well, my uh, – I was um, talking about 12 and a half, which I, I have the under like 54%, and I have the over nine and a half, like 54%. So um, I, I'm huh. with you. If, if nine and a half is out there, I would like the over. That's how tight this market is. So we're both right. Yep, exactly. There you go. All right, let's, uh, let's go to some, uh, some touchdown props. Uh, Sean, I'll kick it to you. Um, there, there's a lot of touchdown props out there. One of, one of the popular ones is anytime touchdown, which means any any – of rushing, receiving, return, whatever, fumble, recovery, touchdown, non-passing touchdown, essentially. Who, who's your favorite in that market? And then who's your favorite in the multi-touchdown market? Yeah, so to be honest, I don't attack these that much. Um, I, I analyze all the anytime touchdown um, numbers. And, you know, 
I would probably find more value betting the no on those. So when they just give you the yes, um, they're all juiced up and they don't offer much value. The only guy that I can make case for was Debo Samuel at plus 160. Um, I, I have him closer like plus 140, plus 150. Like you mentioned, he has the rushing upside. So I think that he's the guy that I would bet on on this market. And then when it comes to multi-touchdown, it's almost the same thing. And if you guys think about it, when you bet on these multi-touchdown props, you're probably better off just betting on the MVP market. Um, You look at a guy like Tyreek Hill, he's plus 425 for a multi-touchdown game and 20 to 1 at MVP. And if you Like, if you think about it, if he scores multi-touchdowns in the game, like, he's already going to be one of the MVP favorites because that's how um, you kind of take over a quarterback in that market. So I just think if you're going to bet on a guy to score multi-touchdowns, just just attack the MVP market. I think you'll have better value there. That is actually a great a great piece of advice. I did not even think of that, and that is – I'm looking at some of them, and, yeah, they're all longer odds. (laughs) Like Debo? Yeah. Debo's like plus 850 for two touchdown. Not a bad bet, but MVP 33 to one. And you would just think that in order to hit, get MVP, you need two touchdowns. Anyways. <laughs> People rewind that. Like that is probably, I think, the best, most valuable um, piece of advice that, that we've had all podcasts because that is, I'm, the numbers are so different. And, you know, for pretty much across the board, uh, you're getting much better odds with, with the MVP. Um, so love that. That's literally most valuable <laughs> advice, too. That's all. Like I have to go and make some bets right now. So we're going to end this podcast. <laughs> um, before we get out of here, I know one everyone's going to kind of wonder is the, the, the national anthem. I, I know some, some books are, are posted, some books are going to post. It looks like the median is, is around uh, two minutes and four seconds for Demi. Uh, Lovato stuck, kick it to you first, over under, just gut feel. Where are you going? I don't know. I can't find a coin on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. I, uh, <laughs> no idea. Sean, I, I was hoping you guys had inside info. I have no take. I was hoping you had a lean here. So do we have any past stats on the over under on them? I feel like they typically go. They're all over the place, right? Aren't they wildly all over? Yeah, I, th- I think I would go over because so Demi just had, um, you know, she, str- she struggled, um, you know, through, through some, some personal mm-hmm. issues earlier um, this year. And she, she, she just had a Grammy performance where she wrote a song about um, uh, uh, she performed a song, excuse me, uh, that was very personal, very like emotional, and, and she kind of had to restart it. And I think um, she's going to be very emotional in, in this spot, and I think that kind of lends itself to the over. So in general, if I'm looking at a prop like that, uh, I, I lean over. And just in general, I think you know these, these stars want to kind of they, they want the spotlight, and they want to yeah. kind of bask in it. So that's the where I go. I'm too superstitious <laughs> about the anthem or the coin toss because it's like. Even if I, w- I would never bet them for a bet, but if I even just to bet like $5, if someone wanted to bet me $5, I wouldn't because losing a bet before the Super Bowl actually True. starts, it's like getting the first question on a, t- a huge test wrong and then you're like, shit, I, I don't want to lose any bets before the game actually kicks off. I hear you. And uh, I'll just close it by saying a lot of other props, you know, we, we obviously couldn't get to all of them. Um, but when you we talk about a lot of these props where it's heavily juiced to one side and something not happening, like um, will there be a safety? No. Will there be overtime? No. Will there be a, you know, things like that. Um, generally, um, people like to bet on things to happen. So you usually see value on the no, even if they're heavily juiced. The one exception, uh, Rufus Peabody actually came on uh, the Action Network show uh, on Sirius XM with, with Matthew Friedman and I, and he talked about, will there be a missed extra point? And because the total is, is so high, it's around 54, 55, expecting about six touchdowns, the, the missed extra point rate, uh, even if you give it about 5%, which is actually um, better than average for, for you know, given these uh, 
uh, kickers, given the average kicker, there's a good, there's about a 30% chance uh, when you start calculating the math and adding up um, the amount of touchdowns that there could be a missed extra point. Now, obviously there's variance in that number, but that's the one exception to that. So I just wanted to point that out. And uh, I'm seeing 56 and a half uh, over under for the chiefs penalty yardage. They're, they're, they're median for the season's 53. So that's another interesting one where, where I'd uh, go under, but. Uh, and, and extra points. Yeah. Robbie Gold's wash. He's going to miss something in this game. <laughs> penalty yards. I'd be careful on that one just because if the chiefs, the chiefs have, I expect this game to be closer. So a lot of games, if the chiefs had a lead and you know, they're doing nothing at the end of the game and sitting on it, it's not accounting true. for that. The game is Very true way through just throwing that out there yeah i don't i don't really have a penalty yards model i just thought um it was kind of a little bit off but uh yeah man uh that that's actually very good insight so uh, as you guys know stuck and i have had a little contest going all year uh i i don't think stuck expected me to have a five point lead heading into the super bowl but here we are. I'm happy about this. However, I'll give him a chance to tie me, even though we usually don't kind of, it wouldn't usually be a five point swing, but uh, here, here, let's go. It, we'll do three, three bets, whatever bets. And if you sweep, you get the tie. And uh, we will, we'll, we'll, pub, we'll publish a little article or something kind of breaking it down and see for you guys to check in. Cause we are, uh, this is going to be the last betting NFL pod of the year. So stuck just three bets, your top three bets. Let's draft. You get first pick. These are essentially our three best bets. If I get all three right and you get all three wrong, I win. Okay. So all the, you have to at least just get one right or I have to at least get one wrong, right? So I have to go 6-0. I mean, that's – I shouldn't have the risk of losing. The Super Bowl, brother. You got to win <laughs> – This is prop. This is not much. Okay. Okay. So, so let's do a draft. Let's do a draft. Uh, you start off. Best bet. All right. Uh, use check. Over 10 reception yards. Okay. I will go Damian Williams over – Three and a half receptions. Damian Williams, anytime touchdown, yes. Demarcus Robinson, under 26 and a half receiving yards. Damian Williams, over 29 and a half receiving yards. Darwin Thompson, under one and a half carries. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that, that. Yeah, it's already DJ bet. So that's, that's our three uh, bets. Oh, uh, man, I should have put that dwelly one in there. <laughs> yeah right yeah that, that's a sharp one man that is going to do it for the action network nfl betting podcast for the 2019 2020 season thank you all for listening for helping us earn the fswa award for top sports betting podcast uh, we couldn't have done it without you you can follow sean on twitter at the odds maker you can follow stucky at stucky too and you can follow me at chris raybon you can also follow us in the action network app at those same handles and stuck real quick before we get out best memory uh of the season it was a lot of fun and i really enjoyed it uh talking every week with you my favorite part of it was working with you every week it was a lot of fun i had a terrible postseason which i hardly ever do which sucked for me and anyone who tailed me it was a great first 14 weeks of the season where it felt like i couldn't lose and sundays where everything was going my way but the highlight you know just doing this every week. But if I had to pick one moment, it's Ravens Patriots. It's my biggest bet of the year. It opened plus six, plus four. It was a horrible line early on in the year. It was my team. And as many of you know that listened all year, I'm not biased to my team. And I had a lot of money on that game. It was a Sunday night game. I was out for it. Um, and they rolled. And uh, I know a lot of other people followed me on that and made out well. So I think that was the highlight of my year, that Ravens Patriots game, which is just the the ultimate buy low, sell high spot, undervalued early in the year after a team just was beating up on cupcakes and uh, against an undervalued Ravens team at home in a great spot. I wish I could go back in time and bet even more on it. 
and and like don't don't get down on yourself like collectively i'm pretty sure we hit uh, around 60 percent of our bets in the six pack oh you yeah know, it's we, nfl i'm hard on myself brother oh i hear you um we hit quite a few uh underdog money line parlays uh i got the undefeated survivor like we we had a good year uh hopefully everyone out there uh you know was able to, to profit off our picks and, and not tail us when we were terrible like me me with the titans um again thank you guys i think my favorite moment is still stuck when you uh briefly forgot you were married during a marcus peters rant that was very enjoyable um and hilarious um but yeah i really enjoyed it again thank you guys for listening uh, you make us who we are for you guys interested in more betting content next week be sure to check out our exhaustive academy awards aka the Oscars betting preview. Uh, I will be recording that and some other Oscars experts from action will be joining me. Plus our XFL season preview pod this Thursday and our awesome Wednesday PGA and Friday college hoops episodes all season long. Again, it's been a good year. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Be sure to listen and download the Action Network podcast on Spotify. Spotify is that new thing. It's where it really helps us the most if you guys go and show us love on there. So if you enjoyed the pod, please head to Spotify, listen, download us there. It really helps us out. Appreciate y'all. Good luck on the Super Bowl. Let's get this one. Cheers. We're finished talking.